Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, September 12th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ki Tavo, and it means, when you go in. Deuteronomy 27, 1-10 Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. Therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones, You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. 
Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Isaiah 10, 1 to 11, 16. What sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws? They deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people. They prey on widows and take advantage of orphans. What will you do when I punish you, when I send a disaster upon you from a distant land? To whom will you turn for help? Where will your treasures be safe? You will stumble along as prisoners or lie among the dead. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. What sorrow awaits Assyria, the rod of my anger? I use it as a club to express my anger. I am sending Assyria against a godless nation, against a people with whom I am angry. Assyria will plunder them, trampling them like dirt beneath its feet. But the king of Assyria will not understand that he is my tool. His mind does not work that way. His plan is simply to destroy, to cut down nation after nation. He will say, each of my princes will soon be a king. We destroyed Kalno just as we did Carchemish. Hamath fell before us as Arpad did. And we destroyed Samaria just as we did Damascus. Yes, we have finished off many a kingdom whose gods were greater than those in Jerusalem and Samaria. So we will defeat Jerusalem and her gods, just as we destroyed Samaria with hers. After the Lord had used the king of Assyria to accomplish his purposes on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, he will turn against the king of Assyria and punish him, for he is proud and arrogant. He boasts, By my own powerful arm I have done this. With my own shrewd wisdom I planned it. I have broken down the defenses of nations and carried off their treasures. I have knocked down their kings like a bull. I have robbed their nests of riches and gathered up kingdoms as a farmer gathers eggs. No one can even flap a wing against me or utter a peep of protest. But can the axe boast greater power than the person who uses it? Is the saw greater than the person who saws? Can a rod strike unless a hand moves it? Can a wooden cane walk by itself? Therefore the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Saveot, will send a plague among Assyria's proud troops, and a flaming fire will consume its glory. The Lord, the light of Israel, will be a fire. The Holy One will be a flame. He will devour the thorns and briars with fire, burning up the enemy in a single night. The Lord will consume Assyria's glory like a fire consumes a forest and a fruitful land. It will waste away like sick people in a plague. Of all that glorious forest, only a few trees will survive, so few that a child could count them. In that day the remnant left in Israel The survivors in the house of Jacob will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them, but they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. 
But though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant of them will return. The Lord has rightly decided to destroy his people. Yes, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, has already decided to destroy the entire land. So this is what the Lord, the Lord of heaven's army, says. O my people in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians when they oppress you with rod and club as the Egyptians did long ago. In a little while my anger against you will end, and then my anger will rise up to destroy them. The Lord of heaven's armies will lash them with his whip, as he did when Gideon triumphed over the Midianites at the rock of Horeb or when the Lord's staff was raised to drown the Egyptian army in the sea. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. Look, the Assyrians are now at Aeth. They are passing through Migron and are storing their equipment at Michmash. They are crossing the pass and are camping at Geba. Fear strikes the town of Ramah. All the people of Gabeah, the hometown of Saul, are running for their lives. Scream in terror, you people of Galim. Shout out a warning to Lasha. O poor Anathoth! There go the people of Madmina, all fleeing. The citizens of Gebam are trying to hide. The enemy stops at Nob for the rest of that day. He shakes his fist at beautiful Mount Zion, the mountain of Jerusalem. But look, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Sabaoth, will chop down the mighty tree of Assyria with great power. He will cut down the proud. That lofty tree will be brought down. He will cut down the forest trees with an axe. Lebanon will fall to the mighty one. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear, the cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow, the baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back 
the remnant of his people who remain in Assyria and in northern Egypt, in southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam, Babylonia, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. Then at last the jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. They will not be rivals anymore. They will join forces to swoop down on Philistia to the west. Together they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab, and Ammon will obey them. The Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams, so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. Second Corinthians 12, 11-21 You Corinthians have made me, Paul, act like a fool. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super-apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit, I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants. And with God as our witness, everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Psalm 56, 1-13 O God, 
Have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Proverbs 23, 6-8 Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. You will throw up what little you've eaten, and your compliments will be wasted. I want to speak to you today from our reading from Isaiah chapters 10 and 11. And I want to begin with putting it into context with a reminder of a big principle. And that principle is that biblical history is prophecy and that the Hebrew or biblical view of time is not linear or sequential, that time is more like a spiral staircase. And it's a cycle and it repeats. So in chapter 10 and 11, it's talking about Assyria and how God is going to use Assyria to come against Israel because Israel has drifted into so much sin. And this literally did happen. We have the northern and the southern kingdom. The kingdom of Israel is the northern kingdom. The kingdom of Judah is the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was taken into captivity by Assyria. But also, its future prophetic. So, let's begin with verses 1 and 2 of chapter 10. What sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws? They deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people. So we're seeing a lot of unjust judges and unfair laws today, not just in America, but throughout the world, with forced lockdowns, mask mandates, forced jabs, and if you don't take the jab, then you lose your job. And so it goes on to say in verses 5 and 6, What sorrow awaits Assyria, the rod of my anger? I use it as a club to express my anger. 
I am sending a Syria against a godless nation, against a people with whom I am angry. A Syria will plunder them, trampling them like dirt beneath its feet. And so understanding that God is sovereign, he's the most high, and that he can use a nation, an historical ancient nation like Assyria, to come against Israel, the northern kingdom, to bring discipline and correction and consequence to the nation because they've turned away from God, but also that this could be a reference to the future, that you could look at it as the new state, the the deep state globalists, the final end of days, um, anti-God, anti-Messiah kingdom, the antichrist kingdom. And so God is going to use um, a, con- a, a coalition of nations to come against Israel in the last days and also to come against the United States of America to bring about judgment. He's going to have to judge all of the sin in the land. But let's look at verse 7. The king of Assyria will not understand that he is my tool. His mind does not work that way. His plan is simply to destroy, to cut down nation after nation. Well, who, what could this coalition of nations be that may, will come against Israel and against the United States? Well, this is described in Ezekiel 38 and 39, a coalition of nations from the north that comes against Israel, the Gog-Magog War. And it's also described in Jeremiah 50 and 51, a coalition of nations from the north that come against the end of days Babylon nation, which I believe is the United States of America. So God is going to use that coalition of nations of the north to come against Israel and the United States to bring about judgment, to cleanse the land of the wickedness and the evil and the corruption. But yet, what God is saying here is, though he's the one sending these nations of the north, um, that, you know, he's using them as his tool, that this nation the coalition of nations of the north don't understand that. Their mind doesn't work that way. What coalition of nations could that be? Well, we could think it might be Russia, China, Iran, and possibly North Korea. So continuing on, verse 12, after the Lord has used the king of Assyria, to accomplish his purposes on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, he will turn against the king of Assyria and punish him, for he is proud and arrogant. Okay, now remember, this is historical. It has literally been fulfilled in the past, but also the same spirit, the same principality can be upon the end of days coalition of nations of the north that are going to come against Israel and against the United States. It's the same principality, the same demonic spirit. So God is, he will turn against this king of Assyria and punish him. So continuing on in verse 21 and 22, a remnant will return. 
Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God, but though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant of them will return. The Lord has rightly decided to destroy his people. Okay, so historically, in history, a remnant did return to the land of Israel. A remnant of Jews who were taken to captivity to Babylon did return. The whole book of Ezra and Nehemiah is about that. But this is also future prophetic. A remnant will return. And when we think about return, it can mean several different things. Returning can be returning to the Lord, as in Teshuvah, as in repenting, doing a 180, returning to the Lord, returning to the Torah, to his word, and then also returning to the land. So I believe this is a remez hint of the final ingathering, the final redemption, when God is going to lead his people on a journey home to the land of Israel, the greater exodus to come, the final ingathering. Okay, let's look at verse 27. In that day, the Lord, okay, so there's a Hebrew idiom, in that day, what day? the day of the Lord. It's future prophetic, the day of the Lord. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. Now there's a remez hint. That's Exodus talk. When the Hebrews were living in Egypt, they were slaves and they had a yoke of slavery upon them and the Lord lifted it from their shoulders then and he's going to do it again. Okay, chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 11. Here is a Yeshua sighting in the Old Testament. Yes, he's there. You have to watch, you have to look, you have to dig. So here is a Yeshua sighting in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. These verses are talking about Yeshua. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, he, that is Yeshua, will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He, that is Yeshua, will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. Okay, so that's a Yeshua sighting. Now I want to jump down into... Verses 11 and 12, because this is a remez hint. Actually, it's a very direct reference to the greater exodus to come. It's future prophetic, and it's describing this greater exodus. In that day, what day? The day of the Lord, the day of his return. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time. Second Exodus, second time, to bring back the remnant of his people. 
those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt, in southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam, and Babylonia, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. This is talking about um, ingathering both northern and southern kingdom. The southern kingdom are the Jewish people. The northern kingdom is the other part of Israel that's not Jewish. Then, so this is referring to the greater exodus. You could say that Assyria is a type of um, all of the lands outside of Israel. And certainly uh, uh, the reference to the distant coastlands could certainly refer to the United States. Those are the distant coastlands. And so this is from all the ends of the earth. So it includes every place, New Zealand and Australia and Canada and the United States and Europe and all the ends of the earth. Okay, verse 13. Then at last the jealousy between Israel and Judah, between the northern and the southern kingdom, will end. They will not be rivals anymore. They will join forces to swoop down on Philistia to the west, and together they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. So this is a wonderful thought, because for centuries there's been animosity and hostility and uh, walls between Jews and Christians. In fact, there's been anti-Semitism. There's been persecution um, against the Jews done by Christians, by our church forefathers. And there's been this big wall. But, but God is in the process of dismantling that wall. And the wall is being dismantled. And instead, a bridge is being built between Jews and Christians. And so this verse is talking about that. The jealousy will end between northern and southern kingdom. They won't be rivals anymore. Now, here is these last two verses, verses 15 and 16, is painting a picture about God parting the waters again a second time the way he did the first time with the Red Sea, that he's going to do this again in a greater Exodus event. Let's read those verses, verses 15 and 16. The Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave. Now that's future prophetic language. That's not he did, but he will. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will, future prophetic, make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, which is a type of the world, a type of all the nations outside of Israel, just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. So it's a direct reference to the first exodus, and he, he's painting a picture of another exodus another ingathering, another time when all these exiles are going to leave their lands where they are, cross through bodies of water on foot, and that God is going to part those waters for them. And it's right there in verses 15 and 16. So it's going to be an amazing time 
absolutely incredible. And I can't wait. I, I really do believe we are the last generation. I believe we are the generation is going to see this come to pass. Okay, that's all I have for today. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. And we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>